This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The first lesson is from Exodus. Moses came down from Mount Sinai. As he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face was shining, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke with them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And when he came out, and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, the Israelites would see the face of Moses, that the skin of his face was shining, and Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with the Lord. The word of the Lord. The second lesson is from 2 Corinthians. Paul writes, Since then we have such a hope, we act with great boldness, Not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. Indeed, to this very day, when they hear the reading of the Old Covenant, that same veil is still there, since only in Christ is it set aside. Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that one hides. We refuse to practice cunning or to falsify God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. Holy Wisdom, Holy Word. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the ninth chapter. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. 
Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, the chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent. And in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. The Gospel of the Lord. They say that as one gets older... One's memory doesn't work quite as well as it used to. But I'm not sure whether it's really so much that memory doesn't work as well as it is that we don't trust it as much. Because the longer I live, I find mistakes, gaps. I will be gathered with my family and we will be talking about how, remember that time when we were hiking in the park in Columbus and we came across that rattlesnake eating the squirrel? They say that wasn't Columbus. That was when we were in Mammoth Cave. Oh. Well, do you remember that time in Mammoth Cave when we came into that huge cavern that just seemed to go down. That wasn't Mammoth Cave. That was Carlsbad Caverns. Oh. And just, just it's stupid, it's trivial, but just the most recent. I, I, had, um, I remembered the video for that old Tears for Fears song. Um, uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, in, in, my mind, in my mind's eye, is that what it's called? Anyway, anyway, I, I always remembered that video because of one little scene in it. There's just, there's just, you know, who knows why things stick, but there's just one little moment where as they begin the second verse, the organist, you know, pounds out a da and then he kind of goes, Yeah! And I remember that in the video. I remembered it because the guy looks a little bit like Jeff Daniels. And I remember thinking, I like this guy. He'd be a fun guy to have at a party. And so just for fun, I went back to watch the video, and it came to that part. I don't know who was playing the organ, but it wasn't that guy. And he didn't pound it out. He was playing with one finger, and I did not like him. The older I get, the more I find that reality is a slippery business. 
The stuff I think I know for sure isn't as sure as I thought it was. When I see a movie, a movie that I've seen two or three times, I like to, to try to make myself stop looking at the people who are front and center and instead start looking at the background to see what I can discover there. Like watching Big Bang Theory, I love to watch the shelves to see what gets put on the shelves. Or watching the movie, um, uh, no, no, this one's coming, um, White Christmas. Um, there's, there's a scene where there's a dance routine and um, one of the little extra dancers is the guy who then goes on to be uh, the leader of the sharks in West Side Story. So you start to notice this stuff in the background when you stop looking at the person who's front and center. Today we hear this story of the transfiguration of Jesus. Of Jesus going up on the side of this mountain to pray, taking along a few of his closest disciples. And although they are sleepy, although they want to sleep, they manage to stay awake long enough to see something miraculous. Jesus is transfigured before them. It says that he glows with a certain light and that they see Moses and Elijah standing on either side of him. And I don't know what's going on. I don't know if this is a miraculous change in Jesus that they just happen to be witness to or whether it is the equally miraculous event of the disciples noticing something that they've never noticed before. Every now and then there have been moments in my life when I have been tempted to acknowledge the presence of the supernatural, of the divine. Most of the time, I go, eh, it's just thunder. It's just a sunset. It's just, but every now and then, I hold on to it and don't let it go. And for a moment, that person or that event shines with a different light, shines with revelation because I have allowed it to do so. We think we have a pretty good take on reality. You can feel that seat underneath you today. You can hear the slight echo in this room caused by the hard walls. You can, you can hear the person shifting next to you. But what we fail to realize is how small our horizons are. 
Someone was telling me at the early service that they're getting ready to head down to Florida for a couple weeks. And after I told them how much I hate them, they said that it always kind of surprises them to remember that that's still down there. That there is a place in the midst of this winter where the sun is shining and people have suntans. Unfortunately, there's also places further north where people are freezing. There are all these other worlds taking place around us. But the only one that we are locked into is this place, this time, and these people. There's the old hymn that talks, that says, we walk by faith and not by sight, which of course is quoting from Paul. We walk by faith and not by sight, not yet by sight. But when we walk by faith, well, I've always been uncomfortable with the idea of faith as simply agreeing with some intellectual statement. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that's what faith is. Then it just becomes mental exercise, something I gotta keep going even when I don't feel like it. I prefer other images of faith, one of which I think is just simply walking with eyes open and allowing for the possibility that something might be more wonderful than we give it credit for being. That God might be shining through things and people in ways that we haven't seen before. Because isn't that what we do when we exercise our faith? We come to this place, this, this building that is made up of brick and wood and but when we're here, we see it differently. And it becomes a temple. It becomes a house of God. It becomes a place that if we allow it to, shines with just a little bit of glory. In a moment after the sermon, we will baptize Miles. And it'll just be one more baby getting some water splashed at him. But we will see it differently. We will see a child who is somehow joined to the death and resurrection of Jesus. A child who miraculously becomes a son of God. A member of the household. A brother in this family. We will gather around this table and this bread and wine in the eyes of faith will become the body and blood of Jesus and it will shine with glory. The disciples are babbling on about what they see when this cloud rolls in, the Shekinah, the great cloud of unknowing which hides this new revelation from their sight and when it rolls away, it's just, it's just Jesus again but they can never see him the same way. Having for one moment seen him together with Moses 
the incarnation of the law with Elijah, the incarnation of prophecy. Now they see him in step with their salvation history. They see how all of this begins to lead up to Jesus. Do they see it perfectly? No. They always seem to be looking through this hazy fog that they can never quite make it out completely. But if they keep their eyes open, this will be just the first of many transfigurations. In another passage that stands almost as an, a mirror image to this one, Jesus will once again go up the side of a mountain with his closest disciples. And there, once again, he will pray, and there, once again, they will be weighed down by sleep. Only that time, they won't be able to stay awake. And they will miss that transfiguration. Whereas before, a mortal show, shines with the glory of God. In that one, God will sweat and bleed with the weight of mortality, praying that this cup might be taken from him. Which is the more miraculous vision? The disciples don't see that one, but rather leave us to wrestle with that vision. To take on the full import of what it means to have a God who lives with us, endures with us, weeps with us, bleeds with us, so that we might shine with glory, so that we might be transfigured by our God who still sees us in that primal state, still sees us as the beloved, and claims us as God's own. Amen.